mind, don't they? Isn't it amazing how the encouragement of God is so encouraging when there's not a worry that's also on the other whispering side? You know what? When you got the paycheck, when you, when you got the paycheck and the bill until next week, it's like, you know what? Yeah, God's my provider. I knew it. You know, when, you, when maybe you did not take the kids out for, by yourself this time, but your spouse or significant other actually went along this time and didn't leave you to do it all by yourself. Maybe when your child was up for the honors program, when you've known so many parent-teacher conferences in the past. You know what, am I speaking the truth? That God's Word, the, the encouragement, is so encouraging when there's not an opposing side. Sometimes it's visibly, physically active in that time. The victory, the provision, the celebrating truth, when we can see it with our natural eyes, you know what, I've never met a person that had any problem believing in anything that God can do when it can be obviously seen by anybody. When you know what, when you, when you can accidentally just see the obvious, it doesn't take a whole lot of uh, faith right there. It doesn't take a whole lot of trust. But you realize the truths of God's Word are still celebrating truths when there's not even a physical manifestation right there that you can see in the moment. It's still the truth. When God leads us to step out on a limb, for instance, and it breaks, God isn't the one who fails. He just allowed the limb to break so he could land on the next one that he caught you with that had a much smoother path that actually got to the destination he was leading to begin with. You know, when we began our, as a family, when we began our very first adoption journey, um, man, we, we took a long two-year road. We knew that God led us specifically to a certain name at the end of the two years. And as we pro- went through the process, you don't get to see anything until you meet all these approvals. But then you're given also guidelines. You're given parameters with some countries. It's different for different places. And so we get to the end, this two-year process. And when we get there, we, we're going down the list. All you've got is just pages of names and problems and ages. That's what they give you. Names, short summary of problems, and ages. And none of it has to be factual. The date of birth sometimes are not even factual. The names are about the only thing that are consistent. And so we, we looked, and God had already given us a name. We didn't realize we were going to see it like that. We had a name that we believed God had put in our heart. And lo and behold, boom, we saw the name, and we just knew it was where God was leading us to. But there was one problem. We've been through all the psychiatrists, all the psychologists, and all the FBI checks. We've been to Homeland Security in Jackson and gotten all of our run-throughs and checkups there. We've, we've been checked frontwards, backwards, physically, mentally, emotionally, every kind of which way that you can. Literally every kind of way that somebody out there has a degree or a job to examine on you. We've about had that. And we get to this place and they say, you are approved. And we go down this list of names. They say, you can step now start looking and you can pick. We get to this one name and we know that's supposed to be our dog. Except there's one problem. We were given a restriction. And the restriction was, yes, you are approved to adopt. We do not allow anyone from outside of our country to adopt anyone two years or younger. They have to be older than that. And we approve you to be able to adopt for a a sibling, somebody that is two years younger than your youngest. The problem was our, our now daughter was two months younger than our youngest, who was two. There's a little bit of a problem. We do, not, we do not authorize for adoptions two years or under, but they have to be two years younger than your youngest sibling, who is two. So we'll see you in a few years, is basically what they were saying. 
But we knew the name that God gave us. We knew the person. We saw it on the page. We knew. So we talked to our adoption agency about it, and they said, no, do not ask. Keep looking. I said, but we know. They said, keep looking. If you, choose, if you ask, if you make a request here, they're going to think you're nothing but an arrogant American trying to think you're somebody special, and they are not going to like it. They're going to consider you rude, and they will tell you no probably on anything else to come. So what do we do? Me and Callie talking between each other. Like, we're going to ask anyway. Let them assume what they're going to assume. We're going to go out this pure-hearted. And so we did, and we requested it to the adoption agency's disapproval and to the country's disapproval and to everybody's disapproval. And we, we made the decision anyway, and lo and behold, we got there, and what's normally a few weeks before you get an answer was months of nothing, silent, quiet. And as nobody's getting approved. Nobody's getting any, anybody. There's not, the, the adoption community had stopped in the country. We finally figured out what was going on. They kept pushing us around, leading us around, leading us around, leading us around. And finally, it came, what came out was right at the time we requested, they had finally had their election. At their election, they elected a new president. The outgoing president was gone, and so the new president replaced the head person of that department. You know how they'll clean and change house when they come in. And the new, new person was now moving people around, particularly one person, the person on our case. Once it finally got going several months later, I remember on a Sunday evening we got the news. You never got news on a Sunday evening. It's kind of like getting a call from a real, realtor when it's dark on a Monday. And so we, we, we finally were going through. I can remember we were riding right past the courthouse going out towards Callie's parents' house, and she was like, oh! And, uh, and it says, you're approved. And we, we had asked her before that a point. We said, said uh, what happened is the person who was on your case has been moved to another department. And somebody knew was on your case. And we'd asked, said, well, is that normal? Somebody's been walking this and reviewing our files and our history and our goods and our badge for two years to just be replaced right here in the file. They said, we've never seen it done. There was a significant difference between the person that went out and the lady that come in. For as much as the, the lady we knew for two years liked, the, she liked two, a couple of phrases. One was the word no, and the other was, I need more information right here. I need more information. Lady number two, who got put in the job of a job that never gets swapped around at this phase, she liked a word. And it was a good three-letter word. It was the word yes. <laughs> and uh, she was like, yes, you are approved. Yes, you can come. Yes, get your tickets and get down here. Yes, yes, yes. I mean, this was a yes lady. She's been yesing us for years. It's been an awesome, awesome experience. What I'm saying is this. You know what? Even if God needs to, he will remove anybody who stands in, your, in the way of his plan for your life, even when it has to do on a large, even government level worldwide. God is not limited by his power. You know what? The, the powers of be that God that moved and orchestrated things throughout the Word of God, it's the same God who is living and active today. Nothing has changed in that regard. So I want to read a couple of verses to you where we're going to go in God we trust over the next few weeks. And I want to kind of set the tone. And what we're going to do is we're going to start with where we're going to end in four weeks. And then we're going to go back to where we're going to start today. And then we're going to celebrate some resurrection life and brand new lives in Christ and baptism. Is that good? 
And maybe during this time, if you've given your life to Christ or you're about to today and God still moves on your heart, you know what? we got room for you too. we got you taken care of. So here we go, 2 Chronicles 32.7. This is where we're all going to end and we'll bounce in and out over the next few weeks. It says, be strong and courageous. This is the king talking to his people. He says, do not be afraid or discouraged because of the king of Assyria or his mighty army. You know, there's a reason to be scared of the king of Assyria. Number one, they've been taking out everybody, and the people that they're talking to, the Judah, they are now coming for them, and they're on a geographical map heading straight to them, and they are annihilating everybody along the way. They do not lose. They are the undefeated of the undefeated. Because you know what? He says, so be strong and courageous, and do not be afraid or discouraged. Because of the king of Assyria or his mighty army. And it was a mighty army. And it continues and it says, For there is a power far greater on our side. How many of you realize it doesn't matter what's against you, there's a power that is far greater that is for you? And he goes on and he lays out, I love when people talk plainly. He says, Yeah, he's got a great army. That's awesome. But it's an army full of just men. And we had the Lord our God to help us and to fight our battles for us. Isn't it, I wonder, do you ever, you know what it's like to have those God help me kind of prayers? It says we have the Lord our God to help us. Do you ever, does anybody in here ever pray those Lord help me prayers? Those like, Lord, how am I going to get out of this? Lord, help me here. Oh my goodness, I don't know what we're going to do. God help us. Does anybody in here ever pray the God help me prayer? The crisis, everything, like I don't know. You know, we do need God's help, right? But isn't it good that God doesn't remain absent and far off, but the Scripture says that He comes close to help in our time of need? You know what, but, but if we stop there, it doesn't just stop that He's a God who helps us because if we stop there, it almost sounds like, well, God, of course, God helps those who help themselves. I'm so glad that God helps those who don't even help themselves because my story is I would have never found Christ if God wouldn't have started helping me first. I wasn't looking for help except for a getaway car. It's all I was looking for, a getaway as far as I could for Him. And He's like, you know what, but I'm going to help you because you don't know what you need. I'm going to get one that turns you right back to me. God only helps. And he goes on and says, and to fight our battles for us. Did you know that when you trusted your entire life to God's design, your battles became his battles? Isn't that good? You know what? You may have battled addiction. Can I tell you what? You may be battling it this morning. You know what? The battle is not yours anymore when you trust your life to Jesus Christ. You maybe, maybe perhaps you battle a self-image and comparing and you know what, your emotionalism, it rises and falls based on the response of a, of a Facebook light or an Instagram or a reach or whatever. You know what, can I tell you, the battle is no longer yours. The battle belongs to the Lord. Maybe, you know what, the battle, it could be, you know what, you, you're wondering like, will I ever overcome this anger and this blowing up and how, man, I've lost my whole family because I can't get this in check. And you're wondering like, how will I ever get by this? My dad was angry, my grandpa was angry, my grandma was angry. And that's when it's all her fault anyway. And I still got this. I'm going to tell you, the battle is not yours. When you trust in the Lord, the battle isn't yours anymore. It's the Lord who is always victorious. Hezekiah's words, it says, greatly encourage the people. This is interesting. You're coming, let's just 
let's just let's kind of make a little illustration of this. It's the equivalent, if we put it on a model scale, that I'm sitting here talking to myself, and all y'all are coming, and you got your tanks, some, uh, half of you got your tanks, half of you got Jeeps with Gatling guns or whatever hanging on the side. You, 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 you got missile launchers coming, shooting out the back, and you've done told me, I'm coming, Danny, we're coming to blow your house up, man. And it's like somebody looking at me and saying, Danny, don't, don't be afraid or discouraged. I'm coming over to your house today, and we're going to cook supper for, uh, you know what, that's a lot of people, and there's a lot of ammunition. There's a lot of stuff coming, and they've been wiping out everybody. Nobody stands in their way, but uh, you know what, they're only merely men, and we have the Lord on our side. The battle's not ours. It's the Lord's, and so we go to cooking. It's the equivalent, just like, all right, well, I'm encouraged, cool. Let them come. God's got this. I mean, can you imagine? If I accomplish one thing today, if I accomplish one thing today, I hope my words encourage you not just to find it easy to amen God's promises when they're easy to see, but to live in a confidence in God, God's power no matter what you see. If I can accomplish one thing, I'm going to say it again. I hope my words encourage you not just to find it easy to amen God's promises when it's easy to see, but to live in a confident awareness of God's power no matter what you see. Because what I've learned, and see if you agree with me on this, trust is always easy when there is not a conflict that has a deadline. Trust is always easy when there is not a conflict that has a deadline. You're going to the judge tomorrow. It's a deadline. You haven't had a job and the rent is due tomorrow. There's a deadline. And she has said, if you don't get home by this point and you're way further than you should be, there's a deadline. When the landlord says, you've got one more day, there's a deadline. How many of you realize it's easy to trust when there isn't a conflict with a deadline? But you know what? Trust is trust really a trust when the display of trust is different in different situations. Is trust genuinely trust when the display of trust is different in different situations? Our motto as a country is this, in God we trust, right? I mean, it's on our money. Nobody's upset about that. You know, locally it's on our police cruisers and different, different officers, enforcements. Uh, current, you can, right time of the year, if some crisis is going on particularly, uh, it'll be a social media filter, you know, to put a little zingy thing there on the bottom of your picture. You know, if it's, uh, it's just this past year, over the, this year, um, Louisiana made it a, a mandatory to have, like, it's kind of silly to me, but anyway, this poster, you know, it's about this big with a little flag flowing in the background. It says, in God we trust, displayed. I mean, praise God for that, but at the end of the day, what does it really mean to trust God? What does trust look like when it's not just said, but it's seen? What does in God we trust look like when it's actually recognizable? What does it, you know, I think a great question is, what does it feel like when there's a genuine trust that is in effect? You know, what does it do? What does trusting God look like when it's recognizable? And some of you may you know, what you wish you had the answer to the question because you ask it all the time. We just ask it differently. We don't say it like that. We don't say, what does trust look like? How do I trust in God? How will I know? We don't ask like that. We say things like this. We start with other people before we ever get to ourselves. 
because, how I many of you know, it's a lot easier to point than ever to own up and take responsibility, right? Blame, we learned that from early on. Blame is, blame is easy to begin. It just gets us nowhere. We start off with questions like this. Can I trust God? If they call themselves a Christian, why do they do those things? Why do they look one way at church and another way somewhere else? We we blame. Maybe maybe wonder, can I trust God? Because you know what? You refuse to trust Jesus completely because of the mistrust of others that have abused you that you harbor inside. And you know what happened when other people who were supposed to be trustworthy betrayed you and just can't risk that again. Not on that kind of level. You know, then, then we kind of drift. Perhaps we ask and we say, you know what, I'll say I believe in God, but if I really do, then why do I still do these things that I do? And you know, I, you know, I just got some things I got to work out for. I got some things I got to get by, you know. Some may say, can I really trust God after these things have happened? Personally? As a family, as a nation, as a world. And what if, what if, what if trusting God requires us to take a right choice, but it ends out with bad results? Which is where I would like to help us today, perhaps with a, with rising up a confident trust in God by answering the right question. And the the incorrect question is, can I trust God? The correct question is. How can I trust God? How can I trust God? It's a question that does not seem to be asked very much, but man, it's the answer to everybody's problem. It's the answer to all of humanity and what God is getting across. You know what? See, we already have a why. Why can I trust God? Well, because God gave His Son on the cross to a cruel world who betrayed Him and crucified Him. And He did that so that, you know what? Those who crucified could be saved. He sent His Son into the world not to condemn the world, but the world through Him would be saved. He says, you know what, he, he put his son in the place to take all the sin of mankind and become sin so that all of man could become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Why can I trust God is a simple thing. But we had the why. So if we had the why, and it just makes sense that now it's time to activate the how. Once you get a why you're going to do something, how is really easy. You know what, it's property, it's in Natchez, it's 21 acres, it's all this footage, it's it's all this area. And it's like, wow, we have a wow. We have 30,000 people that we have access to and give greater access to and open up more room that God can grow and, and fill up and with souls being forever reached and changed and the hope of Jesus spreading on the larger scale in our area. We have a why because God has led us to. We have a why, but the how is now what has to be activated. We have a why to our life and trust in Jesus. But we also have to activate a how. How can I trust God? We already had the word of God, but once we had the why, it's time to activate the how. How is very different. How is a very real question. I shared with you earlier, I started off today by sharing you a little part of uh, my own family's history and a little portion of our story where God literally moved mountains when it looked fearful. It looked like it got worse. And he literally moved people out of the way that could not be moved to put people in who could not be put in in a way that had... that. Even those who have been doing this for tens and dozens of years, you know, had never seen it done, but they saw it done. 
I shared this last week. Clay Russell shared from the story of a man named Jehoshaphat in the Old Testament, you know, of how the people, the, the army, there's three armies coming against them, and they're encouraged to trust God and not be afraid. And as a result, the armies turn on each other, kill each other, and leave all the loot. How is the step, though, that will bring peace? How is the step that brings confidence? How is the step that brings hope? How is the step that brings assurance? How is what reveals what you can't see? When fear is attempting to persuade you by what you can see. How is what brings confidence in what you cannot see at the same time that fear is persuading you by what you can't see? How is why the people heard Hezekiah's words and even though the Assyrians had not lost a single fight and the people were small. They were small because they had just got wiped out not too many years before. They had another king that was before Hezekiah who took them all to battle. And they lost their wives. They lost husbands. They lost fathers. They lost children off into, into annihilation and to slavery. And now that they are smaller and an army is coming back to take them again, and, but this time they're encouraged. How do you get encouraged after getting so horribly beat? It says they were encouraged. And not only encouraged, they were ready to fight because they knew this time it did not depend on them. This is how, the how is why some people can face a tragedy or a wrong done and crumble. And somebody else can face the same tragedy and it's like they rise up from the ashes. You know what I'm talking about? Well, I mean, no, no show of hands or anything, but just a little personal honesty, integrity here. Where would you place yourself in that? When you, when you face tragedy, when you face uncertainty, when you face hardship, when you, when you face the unknown, is typically tragedy and crumbling what comes? Or is it the response of, but God is for me, so who can be against me? I don't know how he's going to do it. He's going to do it. God, I trust you. You know, if I were to be very honest, I can kind of sway one way or the other. Sometimes depending on what it is. And what I used to sway toward fear on, I can sway in confidence today. But you know what? What you may be swaying in confidence on, I might be prone to sway toward fear. I wish it wasn't the case. You know, I look forward to the day, you know, growing in Christ, and this is always changing. But I look forward to growing to, you know what, being able to answer fully with a complete heart and integrity and sincerity of always rising back up and the immediate response being, but God is for me. Who can be against me? Amen. Am I with a group of people who are in agreement with that? You know, we want to sway that way completely and not just say, well, sometimes this, sometimes that. They were encouraged. The how is, the how is this? How can we trust God is this? Who we are in the tragedy. Who we are in the fear, in the doubt, in the re is not a reflection of who we are in that moment. Who we are in the tragedy, the fear, and the doubt is not a reflection of who anyone is in that moment. It's a reflection of who we were before that moment. It's the preparation that goes in ahead of time. We made, we made decisions before that moment that determined who we were then. Like, do you ever do something and regret it later and wonder why you did like, it felt right, but you knew better. You ever get revenge, and, but the revenge wasn't quite as sweet as it seemed, and it ended up costing more than 
what you thought you were going to have to pay? Pay the price to maybe ever cheat on finances. Find out it cost you a lot more later whenever it got found out. You ever tested your spouse just a little too far? You kept pushing the button until finally you said, my button won't bounce back. You ever, you ever, maybe you know what, in a morality issue, allowed the eyes just to keep wondering, to keep wondering, to keep wondering, saying, I know I shouldn't, I know I shouldn't, but allowed the eyes to keep wondering until it cost a whole lot more than we wanted or thought it would. Maybe, you know, where does the, the, when it comes, maybe it's the, all the different situations and wonder, why did I do that? The reason wasn't because of that moment, but it was the choices made before that moment. And to know how the people trusted God with Kai, you first had to know about a man named Ahaz. Everybody say Ahaz. Ahaz. Now we all are excellent in our Old Testament understanding. Ahaz comes along a little bit earlier in 2 Chronicles 28.1. Let me show you a little story about Ahaz. This is just his introduction right here. It says Ahaz was 20 years old when he became king, and he reigned in Jerusalem for 16 years. And he did not do what was pleasing in the sight of the Lord as his ancestor David had done. Interesting story here. As his ancestor David had done. David, you know, the guy who his own family disowns him and gives him no credit, but yet he rises from the from the abyss of nowhere, becomes a king of a country, one who said God makes a promise that I will forever protect the throne of David, one that God will name his son, the son of David, Jesus Christ, the son of David, the one who God will say, he is a man, David, a man after my own heart. That sounds like if I'm going to pick somebody to follow, that's a pretty good target. It says, nah, not going with that guy. I'm going to go with these other ones, like all the other ones that continue to lose over and over and over. And it says, instead, he followed the example of the kings of Israel, and he cast metal images for the worship of Baal. Baal. It's not really significant that you get any uh, specifics on what Baal is. It's kind of varied in different places. But Baal is this. Ahaz followed the ways of Baal. Not the giant killer, not the giant slayer, not the, not the one who puts thousands to flight. He follows the kings of Baal who've all died miserably. They followed Ahaz. You know, but Baal was this. Baal was a god that they made with their hands. And they tried to gain attention by having public festivals of sexual perversion. Everybody mixed them with everything. It's just too, it's too vile to put on the dirtiest of subscriptions of TV you could get. This is what they did to attract Baal. Could you imagine wanting to follow this guy? And then at the end of the day, it was just statues that made out of wood and iron and gold that they did, they put together. It's amazing. It's amazing, really. In fact, in regards to God and Baal, history actually even records it like this. 
that the people of Israel never really fully obey, abandoned God completely. That's why you'll read all throughout the Old Testament, you know, what, that some did what was pleasing inside the Lord and some did not. And, it, and the ones that did not, every single time it says, but they refused to tear down certain altars in certain places to the other, to the foreign, to the unknown, to the Baal worship idols. Even though they con- congregated over and over, there was just places they would not completely destroy. And I wondered, I've always wondered reading through the Bible, like, why would one person not finally just say, enough, and wipe it all out? Why do they always have to leave two, three, or hundred, or whatever, just as long as it wasn't close enough to bother them? Now learn this. They never really fully abandoned God. But they would, when, when Baal worship was high, what was known in the societies, they learned this system of they had the crisis God and the everyday God. They had a crisis, God. God, help us. We are getting taken out. We need you. And then they had, they had everyday God. Hey, y'all want to go to the city today and get it on? Let's go track bail today. Honey, you feel like it? You know? This is their everyday God. And then they had a crisis, God. I wonder, have we changed that much? Are we still prone to everyday God and crisis God? What if Christ's God was the everyday God? Wouldn't that be a great transition? Say this. Who we follow matters. Who we follow matters. Ahaz followed the kings of Baal. We roll in. We continue on and realize this. Just like he followed, we all follow. We follow those who like our posts and who share our media. And sometimes our self-worth rises and falls based on that. We, we follow those that we listen to, that what we put in comes out. The old saying is, what goes down in the well comes up in the bucket. We, we all have a follow because, you know what, we, we're compelled toward, towards a purchase of a certain item, a certain brand, a, a certain thing. Why? Because we all follow. If we didn't, Air Jordans would not still be sold decades later. We all follow Ahaz. We can follow the example of those who have a crisis God and an everyday God as Ahaz followed those who led him to destruction. Or we can follow those who followed the God of Hezekiah. And Hezekiah's story starts in the very next chapter, in chapter 29. It's amazing. One's life is consumed in a whole chapter and the other one has chapters to go. Starting with Hezekiah, says he was 25 years old when he became the king of Judah, and he reigned in Jerusalem 29 years. His mother, and he had a daughter, and that's all great, but verse 2, he did what was pleasing in the Lord's sight, just as his ancestor David had done. Can I say this? It's impossible to really trust anyone, even God, when we consistently follow the influences that don't. At some point, Whatever we follow always wins. Proverbs 13, 20 says it like this. Walk with the wise and become wise, for a companion of fools suffers harm. You know, Ahaz, he faced a battle at the end of his life, and he lost everything trying to get help in panic and fear. The whole community ended up losing too. Hezekiah, he's faced with a for sure loss. It's much worse than anything Ahaz ever faced. And yet the result is they find strength, and they're all encouraged, and they're ready. Hezekiah is going. So today, let's be clear. It's easy to have a label on a poster. It's easy to have a phrase on money. It's easy to put some vinyl lettering on a car. It's easy to get a plaque and put it on the front of your property or the front of your 
your business, the Ten Commandments. It's easy to put all these little paraphernalia things all over the place with an in God we trust bumper sticker and stamp it and put on it. But I wonder how many realize that the actual display and the visible reward is very much different. We're still here. The human race. God has not wiped us out. We continue to grow. We continue to multiply. We continue to expand around the earth. We continue to see the blessing of God on planet earth. The miraculous is still normal when we see people trusting God completely. So can we just say, can I trust God is actually a very senseless question. How can I trust God is a great question that opens the door that when the battle is in you, and it's coming, when the battle is in you, it's coming. It's coming when the old dope buddy comes knocking. It's coming when the, your spouse married the thug version of you. And now you're giving them the Jesus version of you. And they're not really wanting the Jesus version. It's not who they signed up for. You know, it's coming. It's come, the battle is coming when the finances get tight. The battle is coming when someone lies about you calls you all kind of crazy names and defames you and shames you around. When they start labeling you a hypocrite over things you may not even done. The battle is coming when the old high, high school fling starts sending private messages. The battle is coming. The battle is coming when the boys are passing the picture around. The battle is coming when, you know what, the choice of integrity may have a high price to be paid. It may cost you much to have a clear and a pure conscience. The battle is coming. But when you have discovered how can I trust God, you know what? The battle no longer brings fear and regret. The battle threats actually cause an encouragement to rise up. How awesome would it be that when you know what? When the battle is coming, encouragement rises up. Instead of fear and anxiety, hope and victory are, are, the, are the ones who rise you know what, I can trust God. The battle doesn't, here's what it is. The battle threats, they cause encouragement because, you know what, you learn that the battle belongs to the Lord. Isn't it awesome that when we belong to the Lord, our battles become His battles? I can, how, here's the, so here's the end. How can I trust God? I can trust God by who I follow. And we all follow. An absolute dream of ours as a church is this, is to raise up a tribe of people who follow the right people. Seriously, I've raised up a tribe of people who follow the right people towards a trusting God that displays faithfulness, that follows the right people in the media formats, that follows the right people in my, in my relationships, that follows the right people in the things that I'm allowed to take in. I really believe a huge victory of where porn lost its hold in my life, even though I'd been a Christian for a while, was when I quit allowing who I followed to influence all the lust in my mind all the time. I completely believe that, you know what, the battle, the battle with alcohol was over when God spoke and said, you can't go back, and I quit going around those that I'd been following that were not leading me anywhere toward God even though I was striving to follow him. Our absolute dream is to raise up a tribe of people who follow the right people towards a trusting God and display his faithfulness. Because then when the tribe of people follow the right people and raise up a faith and a hope and a victory and pronounce God for who he is, you know what? 
then a community can discover the faithfulness and the miraculous, the freedom that comes through trusting Jesus. And we have, we, you know what, we live in a community that needs a tribe it can follow. So why not be the tribe? Because the community has a tribe it can follow. And you know what, and then the community, because of the tribe and the hope that the tribe sows into it, can be encouraged no matter the battle that's coming. So the question for today is bank on. What are the real battles? You know, make this personal. Kind of put some, put, some, put some skin on this. Put some clothes on, if you will. What are your real battles? Addiction? Self-worth? Finances? Fear? Anxiety? Doubts. What are your battles? Lust? Perversion? Greed? Just throwing some random things out here. Jealousy? Envy? If I had what you had, I, I, it would be easy to trust God too. If I had somebody told me they loved me instead of asked me, why did I come home again? It'd be easy too. What are your battles? Specify anyone. And consider whose opinion, whose talk do you listen to the most? Whose opinion, whose talk do you listen to the most? We we hear many, we hear many voices. Voices are always going to come. Some people would say, well, I've been saved, you know what? I just wish I didn't think these thoughts would feel so bad. You can't stop what you think. But you can stop what you do with them. We can entertain them or we can reject them. And I don't know, if you're like me, I had a whole lot of junk put in my head. There was a whole lot of, there was a whole lot of picture frames put up there before I came to Christ. Many a day, I'd be in the middle of work. Somebody's talking to me and I got pictures going off. And I'm like, why is that in my head? I'm having to think about like candy bars, chocolate flowing over peanuts and caramel going around and some kid kicking another, anything to distract me. You know, I'm trying, I'm, I'm making up stuff in my head that's clean to try to clear out the picture frame that's so distorted in the history. What are your real battles? Specify anyone and consider whose opinion and talk do you listen to the most? Because we hear many, but we only listen to some. Whose voice are we listening to? And do your battles remain your battles because of who you follow? Today your decision could be as simple as, you know what? Just changing who you follow. Man, I wanted to quit drinking so bad. I didn't even like it. I hated it. I kicked myself in the tail. Every Saturday, though, by about 1030, I'd start kicking. And I wouldn't quit till Sunday morning. I said I wasn't going to do this all week long. Six days. Why did, why did I do that? I have friend, I remember one time riding the back of a truck. I can remember exactly where I was over on uh, Airport Road in Natchez and riding around. And all the buddies, we made a stop to get out. And you rednecks know what I'm talking about because the ice chest in the back, so you stop in random places to refill. And so they're all back and they make a joke. You know, Danny, hey, you on beer too? And like and one of my friends who was getting toasted even stands up and says, Leave him alone. He's the only one of us that's trying to do anything right. And no sooner than he got that out of his mouth, I said, yeah, go ahead. Give me one. 
I'd already said no. My friend defended me, and then I said yes. You know, it's when you always follow the, the wrong voices, it's hard to make the right decision. Who we follow matters. To begin walking in freedom and salvation by for the very first time, sometimes is just simply repenting and no longer following the ones who have an everyday God and who have a crisis God. Well, who's that? Nobody has to tell you. Who rises and falls based on how they feel for the day? Who rises and falls? Whose commitment, whose surrender to Jesus, whose reflection of love for all of humanity rises and falls based on what's happening to them? That's a crisis God and everyday God because you know what? The spirit of Christ is consistent. It is a river that is flowing, constantly bringing life and everything else. How can I trust God? Let's just answer the question very simply. How can I trust God? It's easy. By who we follow. So with that being said, roll through just the past week, the past three. This isn't a condemnation. Man, I want to bring freedom. I know what it's like to condemn myself. I can't stand the thought of anybody else doing the same thing. Just consider. Think about the battles that are still battles. And are those battles really battles because of who we're still following? And maybe today is a day where it's just time to draw the line of sand and you hear the voice of God saying, don't go back. That's worth clapping about, whoever was talking about. We're going to prepare for baptism right now. We're going to have an altar call. So if you're here and you're here ready to get baptized, can we all stand? Let's all stand. Let's make it easy for people who don't want to step on your feet when they walk by you. And if you're preparing, you came today, baptism, taking your next step. Mark is in the back waiting to meet you and to guide you into the next places. I had an incredible baptism service at first. It's displaying, you know, we're following Christ, death, burial, and resurrection. The old is gone, the new is coming. Maybe there's people in here today who need to make that same choice. I wonder, in a crowd this size, if there's anyone in here who would say, you know what, I, I relate with that message. I'm, I'm the guy who keeps kicking. I understand kicking yourself in the tail, Danny, because that's what I do. I've just never connected that why am I trying to be somebody different than everybody I'm following and wondering why I keep going the path they're going. I'm tired of the misery of having an everyday God and a crisis God because crisis God just does not seem to have the thump that everybody keeps saying he does when I only look to him in a crisis because I'm, I'm totally neglecting him and not seeing how he's rescuing me in every day when I'm not even looking for it. The amount of junk. Man, some of us need to take a quit lying to ourselves and just admit it. Man, the stupid stuff you've done and been through and choices made and still here, that's enough to know I may not have saw, but the only way I'm still here is because of God me and God who got in the way and it's I know stupid because I've done stupid we could sit here and have stupid stories all day long but you know what mama might not like, like stupid but God loves stupid he likes to make people brand new I don't know if you can say that right in church but I just did he likes to make people brand spanking new. If you could, with heads bowed and eyes closed, today,
all over the auditorium. You say, Dan, you know what? I know why I came here today. My eyes are awakened. I really have a desire. I'm the, Jesus, the Holy Spirit is dealing with me right now. And I am making a choice to follow Christ no matter what. I realize my battle is my circle of influence that I keep. I realize that on Sunday I come to Christ as God, but I, I still have everyday God for the rest of my time. And today is the day you're saying, you know what, I don't want, I want, I want what I've always considered Christ as God to be my everyday Savior. If that's you all over the auditorium for the very first time in a way you understand. Say, Dan, today I'd like to choose to follow Christ from this day forward. No matter the cost, no turning back. Because he has been for me, even though I've been running from him. Today I choose Christ. Giving my life to him completely. If that's you all over the auditorium, would you just raise a hand in the air? Say, that's me. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. That's me. For the first time, praise God. In a way that I understand. Maybe you've prayed a prayer before. Maybe you've been baptized before. Let's just be honest. He didn't change anything. You went through the ritual. You got dunked. And praise God. But today, you know the Holy Spirit's drawing. Five more seconds. Praise God. Can we pray with people who are confessing and calling out to Christ and trusting Him with everything today? Let's pray, church. It's by our mouth that confession is made. With the heart, man believes. You're already believing. Results in righteousness. The confession is salvation. That's why we pray. Let's pray together. Say, Lord Jesus, I invite you today to lead me, to guide me. I ask you to be my Savior, to live within me, and to have your will be my life. I repent of my sins, Lord. Show me clearly what now to walk away from. In Jesus' name. All over the auditorium, everybody said.